sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, Cucks. Welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we're doing. Politics, nothing but politics. Cucks. Um, top 50s movies. Top movies from the 50s. Yes. Top movies from the 1950s, the decade. Our top 10s each. And uh, I, I didn't want to make it sound like we're doing 50 movies. No. Because they would just turn off immediately. Well, they already do. Yeah. They're, they're done by now. They just want to hear the intro, see what name they're called, and then they're gone. Uh, do you want to just uh, go... Dive, dive right into the movies? Yeah, go with tradition, and you can go first. Okay, I will... Uh, this movie, On the Waterfront, Marlon Brando, Carl Malden. I think the movie's great, but I think it, I chose this more... It's not one of my favorite movies per se, but the performances are so incredibly good, and that's why I chose it. I could have been somebody. That was Carl Malden. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't actually sound like that, but that's how he would have sounded if he was being the Godfather as, uh, what's his name, Terry. It's uh, a good movie. Have you seen it? No, I own it, and I have not seen it. Um, Criterion has, released it, so I got it, and I was like, oh, this is one I should see, and yet still have not seen it. It's it's not one of those, like, I don't know, it's it's a great movie, obviously, but it, just, it doesn't grab me like other great movies. Yeah. But the performances are, are so incredible. It's... It's yeah. Well, that's Carl the one that Bolton. made Brando a star, basically, right? Well, was this after uh, the uh, streetcar? Oh, I mean, yeah, before streetcar. Good call, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. One of those two is. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Carl Malden, as we all know, went on to shill for American Express. Ilya Kazan, right, director? Mm-hmm. But wasn't he? Didn't he like? <sighs> What's the word? Didn't he collaborate with McCarthy in the hearing? Like, what didn't he give people up, Ilya Kazan, in the McCarthy hearings? I don't know. Really, I, I could I be totally I wrong. That. Or I wasn't sure if it was that way or the other way. But I, you're right. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, he did collaborate. So that's weird that he's making a movie about dock workers, which seems very. Yeah, I, I think that know. was the thing. I think this was his like. Uh, his penance. Response to it. Yeah. But yeah, it was a yeah. Well, I still want to see it, um, and I will since I own it. Yeah, that's. I mean, I can't really say anything to it since I haven't seen it. But um, I'm sure it's it comes up on all the lists for the 50s. So my number 10, uh, one we mentioned in a previous episode, Strangers on a Train, Hitchcock. How so can you go, the basis for uh, Throw Mama from the Train. And that's why you're picking it? Mm-hmm. You know what year that's from? My movie was from 54. Streetcar is from 51, by the way. Oh, okay. So it was Streetcar that did it. Um, no, you know what? I didn't write down the years for these. Dang it. 51 was Strangers on a Train as well. And you've seen this one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. Maybe. I, I, I was going to mention that a... Um, so I guess, I guess we might as well talk about it now that... I, I followed the rule that we usually follow that I, I ignored last time, and I, I tried to pick... I, I might have broken the rule accidentally, but I tried to pick only one director and not, like, Hitchcock a number of times. Did you follow that rule, or do you have more Hitchcock going, coming? Um, I don't have more Hitchcock, but I do have one director who's on here twice. Okay. I did it so, as a tie, though, so it's kind of, you know... So I was just... I have my choice for Hitchcock, and I didn't... I'm, I didn't end up having to change it, but I just figured if you picked... What I have, I would just pick one of the other. So he made ten, and basically, if you you could easily make a top ten list of the fifty of fifties movies and have a majority of Hitchcock movies there. That's why I could, it's really fair. Yeah, I could probably name them all, but I won't since one of them is going to be your pick. But yeah, well, we can name them all because there's a few movies I didn't know about. So I think there you might not be able to, but he made I think it's eleven, ten or eleven movies in the in the fifties, and as far as I'm concerned, there's three, six of them are total classics. Uh, so we can talk about more when it comes to my choice, but it's amazing that he, you know, and then the other four, one I've never heard of, maybe you've heard of it. Um, or 
I don't remember where I wrote it down, but uh, there. So this will be a spoiler in movies. I don't like. There's there's the Shirley McLean movie, which I, I mean, it's a fine movie, but I don't consider it a classic. It's uh, what's that called? Something about Harry, or you know what I'm talking about? Nope. I forget the name of it. You never saw the Shirley MacLaine Hitchcock movie? No, is that the one? Wait, there's something about Harry. So, like, the dude the gets the dude gets uh, jizz on his hair. Is that it? Ooh, I think that's uh, there's something about Mary. Oh, gotcha. So the the movie I never heard of was I Confess, and it sounds awesome. Have you seen that? That's the one that? we saw, I think, in uh, at the Pacific Film Archive. I saw too. No, me and me and Viv. Sorry. Oh, this! But I thought you said this was an older movie. I thought it was. It's okay because it's black and white. I could be wrong too. I don't know. No, but what's it has Montgomery, what's it? Montgomery Clift. I don't think I've seen, and Carl Malden. I don't oh. think I've seen oh. Montgomery Clift. Fuck. But uh, anyway, I'd like to see that. And uh, what was the other one? I, no, the wrong man. I've I've heard of it. I don't know know that movie well enough to know if it's a classic or not. But the I rest definitely are. The rest of them are are definite classics. So that's two out of. Wait, was uh, uh, no three? So what's the seventh one? Where to go? Uh, anyway, a rear oh, rear window should be on the list too. Yeah, I think maybe there's seven out of ten. He had an amazing oh stage fright. I don't know stage fright at all. Oh, I don't yeah. know that either. No, it's probably good. Jane Wyman, uh, Mrs. Ronald Reagan, Marlena Dietrich. Anyway, uh, let's go back to the list. Where so you strange on the train? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step over. Do you have more to say about that? Oh, no, I mean. It's just uh, two strangers on a train who both need something uh, done, something evil, basically, done. So they decide to do each other's evil deed for them, so it will be impossible to trace, basically. Murder! If, yeah, if you must know. Uh, and and it's good, like it sounds like it's just uh, a premise, but it's good all the way through. The uh, follow through and if they made it today it would probably be slightly different i mean it could be a little darker but it's pretty dark so interesting fact i didn't know and you obviously probably did that the screenplay was written by or one of the screenplay writers was raymond chandler i did know that yeah yeah that's crazy that's awesome i have you read the novel no i haven't i wonder if that's good patricia highsmith i'm sure it is i mean she was a good a good writer um yeah, he did. Chandler did a couple screenplays, including one of his own for his own books. I and I can't remember which one it was. Um, it's the one that nobody really understands what the fuck's going on. Uh, anyway, yeah, Strangers on a Train, my number ten. It's great. Everybody should see it. It's it's a fun one too. It's like easy. It's not like arty or anything. Oh, yeah. So yeah. All right. Uh, my number nine is a comedy from Britain called The Man in the White Suit. Alec Guinness plays an industrial or yeah, an inventor who invents a, a suit that cannot be stained and the labor unions and manufacturers figure out what that means and they go after them fun i have and not fun. seen it but when you said a british comedy i knew alec guinness would be involved from that well, time yeah. period um, yeah he's had a lot i I've, I've not seen many of the others but this one i've seen and really enjoyed no i know i know uh, kind hearts and coronets is supposed to be really good um, that's mm-hmm. the one where he plays multiple roles, I think. Uh, but and I haven't then seen that either. What's the one that uh, the one that got remade with Tom Hanks by the Coen Brothers? The that's Lady Killers. Lady Killers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that one came up on the list of best movies. No, have not seen it, but it sounds like a good idea. Man, uh, corporate espionage, even back then, they've always ruled our lives. I don't know that it was espionage. It was just... Malfeasance? No, I mean... Greed? He just invented something, and the companies are upset about that invention. Oh, okay. I thought they were, like, trying to steal it from him and steal no, his patent no, and shit. Okay. They're upset because that means once they sell one suit, they'll never have to sell another suit for the rest of the... Ah, gotcha. Okay, I misunderstood. You know, those British, they're pretty subtle. It's, it's understandable that I would... Mistake. Yeah, I didn't talk about it last week. Speaking of subtle, subtle British people, I got to see a live showing of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I got to see John Cleese speak afterwards. It was fun. He seems pretty crabby nowadays. How was he? He was slightly crabby, but very funny. Um, I 
guess he just got divorced from a wife and from his wife, and that's why he's doing this to make money. That's at least that's what he's saying in interviews about the tour. Yeah, I've heard that. The Q and A was he had some bitterness about an ex-wife, but it, I don't think it was necessarily the latest one, and that was a little weird. And he had kind of like the Mel Brooks thing, where he's like, "Why can't we tell racist jokes?" Which was not especially funny, but I give him a pass because he's a million years old. Yeah, and the the racist jokes he was telling weren't like super you know harsh they weren't the kind that are are denigrating people so much as just like, playing on stereotypes really pretty much yeah. yeah and um but he was he he it was interesting there's lots of stories about faulty towers i liked that he talked about fish con wanda extensively and i was was uh surprised about, I didn't know he wrote it and how much he had to do with the production of it, but also how well-regarded it is. I'm happy that it is as well-regarded as it is. And he was like, I'm very proud of the fact that it was listed number 30 as the best movies by the BBC or some you know, some list like that. So it was, it was neat. And it was, I had, you know, in high school, I'd watched the Monty Python movies a lot. Not a lot, but a few times. I But I don't think I'd ever watched the Holy Grail all the way through since then. I'd seen bits and pieces. But so I had it in my mind, there's a, a scene in the movie with a rabbit and I thought that was the last scene of the movie so it was interesting to see how wrong my memory was <laughs> but it was it was as he said it was a 60% 60% of the movie was good 40% is crap so but that's a pretty good ratio i mean yeah especially for a comedy I, and I i guess they were learning how to write long form because it was basically and as you're watching it you realize this it's just a bunch of skits sewn together yeah yeah the life of ryan was less like that and I think it still is a little bit like that, but it's a better movie all around. Life of Brian compared to Holy Grail. Yeah. Anyway, it was fun. Meaning of Life is also a bunch of skits, basically. Yeah, that one doesn't have as much tying it together, though, does it? It just seems... Yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's cool. Um, Yeah, it was fun. I forgot the name of your movie already. It was Man in the White Suit. All right. My number nine is one we've done on the podcast before. Rafifi. Which is from 1955 by uh, Jules Dassin, I guess. A, a blacklisted filmmaker, probably due to Ilya Kazan. No. Um, Ilya Kazan's people were all already on their list to come to his defense. <laughs> anyway, um, we talked about it. It's a, it's a heist movie. Um, and uh, it's just a good, tense heist movie with a the heist scene that is like, I don't know, like 15 minutes long, I feel like, and almost no talking. Just really well done, but we've already talked about it. So, you know that one. Mm-hmm. Rafifi, number nine. What you got? Number eight. What year is Rafifi? Uh, 55. 55. Uh, my number eight, oh, it's a Western, and it's just cute. Shane. Yeah, people love that. I've never seen it. It's It's good. It's not great, but it's good. I mean... It's, and it, it kind of sticks with you. It has great performances. Kind of, some of the performances are kind of, uh, I don't know, TV, TV level. They're not really what you'd expect from a film, but in Shane, it, it works. It's it's endearing. It has that ending that people argue about, and it it's good. Okay, I mean, so if I, if it's I was a gonna, simple western. If I'm going to watch one western, what? That's would, not it. No. Okay, it'd be probably like uh, one of the spaghetti westerns, huh? Well, no, I think uh, I think one of the ones on my list would probably be before this. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Shane. Shane! Isn't that a thing? Doesn't somebody like yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The kid does. I know does. that much. Um, my number eight is Tokyo Story by... Yeah, man, I, I don't know how you actually pronounce this guy's first name. Yasujiro Ozu. Ozu, who's been around since forever, or who was around since forever. Um, started making movies in the... 20s or 30s, I think. Um, and this one is um, slightly based on um, Make Way for Tomorrow, which we did earlier. So it's about, um, oh. yeah, it's about an an old man and uh, and his children, like all not wanting to take care of him except for his uh, widowed daughter-in-law. And it's a weeper. It's the one like Ozu movie most people will say is the best one. So it's uh, it's very good. It's you know, it's make way for tomorrow, but but different enough. Um, mm-hmm. 
anyway, yeah, that's that's my number. Have you seen that one? No, I have not seen that one. Sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Criterion. Speaking of uh, Criterion, I don't know if you're familiar with Arrow Video, which they call like the Criterion of uh, B movies, and um, but they're releasing uh, Arrow Video is releasing A Fish Called Wanda, like a. They're they're like the same kind of thing where they have like a bunch of special features and they're really nice. They do you know 4K transfers and everything and they're expensive. But that's cool. Yeah, just thought I'd mention that. Number seven. My number seven or your number seven? Uh, it's your number seven. <laughs> um, number uh, seven. Although it says four, since we've only done four. It's a little confusing. The Searchers, which is a Western that you should almost certainly see before Shane. Okay, The Searchers it's is John, the one. Have you, seen, you haven't seen it? Nope, I have not seen it. It's a John Ford, Ford movie. Beautiful cinematography. Uh, interesting story. Uh, John Wayne's in it. Jeffrey Hunter. And uh, yeah, Natalie Wood. And, yeah, it's really good. Do you, uh, do you have any ties on your list? Oh, uh, Natalie Woods in The Searchers? Oh, yeah, because yeah. she plays the Indian or the Native American. Yeah, yeah, I know the story behind that. Well, but, no. Or the plot, kind of. Wait, maybe I'm misremembering. I, or the half Native American? or I think she's kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the Native Americans and raised as a Native American. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Got it. Okay, The Searchers. Then that's the Western I will watch, and then we can do that against one of mine you haven't seen at some point. Um... All right, well, my number seven is a tie, and it is In a Lonely Place, which is from 1950, and Touch of Evil, which is from 1958. You've probably seen Touch of Evil, right? Yeah, Touch of Evil perhaps is on my list. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's it's a great one. That uh, Yeah, that, that opening shot. That where tracking shot at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's worth Well, that wasn't in the original, was it? No, I, I don't think it was. I think David talked to us about this, yeah. Um, but it's because because uh, that that wasn't put together in the actual film until years later. I only think it was until the, like the nineties. Yeah, that could be, which is crazy because it's like the most memorable scene in the whole movie. Yeah, well, um, I think this is, at this point he had lost his. Well, let's see, it's uh, his cachet. Or well, not else. his cachet. Well, no, he he lost the power he had before because he was so so demanding, and he. he you know, asked for so much money to, to get crap done and it took him forever to do it. So it more and more, he lost the power for final cut. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is, yeah, this is a really good movie. Um, it is one of those where, um, a white dude is playing an ethnic role. Yeah. Charlton Heston's yeah. playing a Mexican, but it's, it's a, like a border town. These are both kind of noirs, but you know, they're, they're not necessarily stuck to the formula of the, femme fatale well this one may be more um but we can talk about it more if it's on your list uh in a lonely place is a super good movie with humphrey bogart you have not seen this one you said no, no. Uh, directed by nicholas ray um humphrey bogart and gloria graham who like on the extras on the blu-ray i was watching she had a really interesting life but um anyway he he's a, a screenwriter um and he's kind of a dick in this movie. Um, anyway, it involves um, a murder, which he, which he kind of gets accused of at the beginning. Um, but then uh, Gloria Graham, his neighbor, comes to his rescue uh, and says, no, I saw him, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, and they have a kind of a romance, but it all kind of goes bad, as is the way of most noirs. Uh, definitely <laughs> worth watching. And awesome performances, and nice story. Like on the on the DVD, there's like a commentary. I can't remember who it was, you know, film critic or something. He was like, or a filmmaker. He's like, it's not. You're not going to think it's like the greatest movie ever, but it's really solid. Which is exactly how I feel about it. It's definitely worth watching. Anyway, that's mine. In a lonely place and touch of evil for number seven. Uh, number six for you. Number number six for me is another western. I. Don't consider it. Damn, consider you have a lot it, of westerns. Well, the fifties were, were were heavy with westerns. I don't consider it as much of a western though, because it's such a, a like a character 
performance. It's uh, High Noon with Gary Cooper from 52. Super duper. Yep. Did you ever say it? Nope. Have not seen it. And so, so you would recommend this one above The Searchers or no? I'd wear, I think I like High Noon better as a movie to watch it than The Searchers, but I don't think it's a better Western. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's like the Western is like big. I mean, the searchers are like these big vistas and horses going across, across as, as, and you know, John Wayne being a cowboy and high noon is a Gary Cooper playing a sheriff and he's threatened. And at high noon, there's going to be a fight. And it's just him like over the course of like an hour or two figuring out what he's going to do with that fight. And then I, it has like, I don't even remember, but I think it has like, parallels to to like the red scare and everything oh interesting all right i'll maybe i'll try to watch both of those i i think everything on my my list is worth watching well i mean for westerns i gotta go in slow because yeah you don't like them i have problems with them but all right uh my number six is another rd1 the seventh seal by yeah i was thinking about that that's a that is i figured you'd have it on there it is a great movie. It's hard to You have out. seen that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody talks about it, you know, the playing chess with death, but it's a lot more than that. I mean, it is kind of like it's a meditation. A yeah, <laughs> it's a meditation on death and stuff, but also a lot of other philosophical things. But it's it's not, it, that makes it sound like it's a real slog, but it's not. It's pretty easy to get through for this kind of film, I feel like. 1957, by the way. Um Wikipedia calls it a 1957 Swedish drama fantasy film. I don't know about all that. Wait, anyway, which, which, which part would you disagree with? Fantasy? I don't know. I guess just because death is there. But, you know, it takes place during the Crusades, and he's uh, Max von Sydow from Flash Gordon is a, a soldier returning from the Crusades. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just... And the plague has can... hit... How can the personification of death not be a fantasy? I guess that's true. I don't know. When I think fantasy, I think like unicorns and shit, I guess. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. It, it's one of those classics of world cinema that deserves to be a classic. And it's so interesting that Max Max Van Sydow is... I don't know how to say I don't it. Either. It was a movie. And he's still around and kicking and doing films here and there. It's just I know it's ins- like I was sure he was dead, and then I saw him in something. And Force Awakens. Well, yeah, yeah, just like Jesus Christ, this dude is still doing it. Um, well, that's uh, we're halfway through already. That was oh, short. Man. Fucking take a break. Fifties. Not much to say about that corny shit. Yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with our top five each which equals 10. We'll be back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's Greyhound Racing, steeplechasing, the Reformation. Transubstantiation, Brian Stoker's creation, the land of the Thracians. And right back to the start, it's gonna take some time and patience. But all the best We're back. More top films of the 50s. Um, so what do you have at number five? Number five is a sweet little movie we've already done an episode about. Harvey. Oh, yeah. We did that Jimmy with Katie. Stewart. Yep. I've, and we had it versus Drop Dead Fred, which you guys hated. Yes. Anyway, I think everyone knows about Harvey, the invisible rabbit. Or is he invisible? I guess he's only visible to he's certain visible people. visible to, yeah, certain people. Uh, starring Jimmy Stewart. Fun time. Worth watching. Yeah, we've talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. It's a good movie. I, better than I expected it to be, for sure. My number five is uh, Umberto D. By uh, Vittorio De Sica, who did Bicycle Thieves. Um, and this is basically Bicycle Thieves Part 2, kind of. Um, it's about 
It's another Italian neorealist, if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's about this old man, and it's after the war, obviously. Um, in Rome, he's um, and he's trying to keep his like shitty room he rents, but like the landlady is uh, evicting him, and uh, he has his dog um, Flyke, which everybody will love the dog when they if they watch the movie. Um, so it's just him and his dog and his him trying to make his way in the world or trying to stay not homeless basically um and it is i mean you know it's another one that's a weeper i definitely like these kind of movies uh and it's you know it's about human dignity and and the elderly and all these kind of issues so uh that's one i think you should definitely watch have you seen bicycle thieves yeah did we watch it watch it for the did we not watch it for the podcast i have seen it yeah we might have yeah it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is more of the same, but really well done. So, uh, and Umberto D. Uh, wait, wait, which is from 1952. My number five. What you got for number four? Uh, number four is Rashomon. Oh, good one. Yeah, of course. I saw this in college, and I was blown away. First of all, it's a great movie, but also by the fact that. That watching that made me realize that's where all the sitcoms got that idea from. Yes. Different perspectives. And <laughs> and that's those were always my favorite episodes when they did that because it's fun. And the movie is really well done. It's kind of weird. And wasn't there one where it's the ghost? like the Yeah, yeah. The, the ghost story. <laughs> the ghost is ta- telling really, the tale, yeah. It's really good. And, and, you know, like all the carousel movies, it's just engaging. And, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's about, uh, you know, the nature of reality, if you really want to get into it, and, like, mm-hmm. truth, and what is true. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been, and it's been done not just in sitcoms and stuff. I mean, it's been done no. in movies and it, all over the yeah. place. The Simpsons even had a joke about it. Yep. That's, <laughs> what is it, not from my perspective? Uh, anyway, yeah, but, yeah, you can't, I think you can't not do the 50s. I mean, I think you can't do the 50s without having Kurosawa on there. Yeah, Hitchcock sure. Kurosawa have to be Hitchcock, on Yeah, exactly. Um, which we both have on our list. I, I can spoil. Um, yeah, I'm hoping you have the other one I was going to have because I purposely didn't pick it, assuming you would. I absolutely do. I'll, I'll tell you this, Kurosawa is a tie. for That's the one I did twice. Oh, um, uh, okay. So, anyway, uh, my number four, is that all right? uh, yep. Yeah, my number four was going to be something else that I found out at the last minute was from the 40s, so I ch- switched it What out. was it? Uh, out of the Past, Robert Mitchum. Ah. A noir? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I thought it was 50s, but I switched it with another noir, Kiss Me Deadly. Have you seen this? Nope. It is pretty fucking crazy. So it's a it's a Mickey Spillane thing. It's a Mike Hammer movie. I, th- um, I thought it was Mickey Spillane. Mickey Spillane, however you say it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, you, sorry, I don't know. Um, and uh, I guarantee you, Quentin Tarantino watched this. And if if you watch, well, we should watch this one. Um, it it. <laughs> oh, it's a Mike Hammer. Yeah, yeah, it's Mike Hammer. Um, and except the director, screenwriter, whoever went way off script for um with the ending, and it is crazy. Like there's a nuclear device that. Anyway, it's it goes like it starts off as a regular noir and then it just goes into fucking crazy town. Um, first appearance, I believe, of Cloris Leachman in a movie. Yeah, debut of Cloris Leachman, and um, I guess they they had to change the ending. They changed the ending for its original release. I think. Um, I guess what is this? The Kefauver Commission? I don't even know what the fuck that is. Um, called it a film designed to ruin young viewers anyway um yeah yeah but uh but so they had to do a a different ending it's it's very okay the film is described as the definitive apocalyptic nihilistic science fiction film noir of all time (laughs) so well when they say definitive do they maybe mean only only yeah for sure (laughs) it's it's 
worth watching. Um, I know Viv was kind of annoyed by it when we first saw it, just because it gets so weird and off the rails. But did I you lo- read the novel? No, no, I didn't. Okay. I don't think I've actually read any Mike Hammer novels. No, I haven't either. I, I've the show was good. Yeah, I rem- and that's why I thought it was Mickey Spillane. I swear I remember like the the previews saying Mickey Spillane's um, Mike Hammer. But yeah. I think you're right. It's actually Mickey Spillane. I thought Spillane. they said Mickey Spillane's, but you know. No, I think you're right. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, that is uh, "Kiss Me Deadly." Check it out. What do you got? Uh, this is something we talked about last time we did a decade movie, a David Lean film, "Bridge on the River Kwai." It is amazing. It is so good. It's it's about prisoners of war building a bridge for the enemy and getting, you know, building a bridge know. for oh, for, because they're prisoners. Gotcha. Okay, right. Sorry. Right. Yeah. World War Two or. I assume. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I forget. You know, I, I don't think I knew what, what, what I was watching. I just, yeah, it was a, the, they were captured and they were building a bridge and it's, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. It is World War II, a Japanese prison camp in Burma. But yeah, it's, it's a really, really well done epic movie. And Alkin is, is exceedingly good in, in this as he is in most things. And it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, I have not seen that one, and I know it's a cl- good. I kind of want to see that actually. War movies is another genre that I never really got into. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I I don't really usually get into war movies that much either, especially if there's battles, because anytime there's a battle in a war movie, I just kind of go with it and assume by dialogue who's winning and who's losing, because I'm always really confused. And I'm not usually confused in movies, but that's something that I just I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know if they're going for verisimilitude, trying to make it like the actual war was. Yeah, I'm thinking of things like Braveheart, and like when there's there's those not. kind of battles. It's like, well, uh, battles where where it's not so much about like people shooting each other. It's just any kind of battle, revolutionary war movie. I just it's just okay. all chaos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. Um, okay, bridge. Wait, bridge on the river, river Kwai. Or over. I always get that mixed up. On. On. Okay. All right. There's, yeah. Good. I'm glad you're picking these ones I haven't seen because now there's a bunch I want to see. Um, my number three is one I tried to get you to watch at my house, but you instantly fell asleep called Sweet Smell of Success. I, I had a cold. <laughs> um, it's got Bert. It stars basically Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis. And I never... I always had a problem with Tony Curtis, but he is so excellent in this. And they call it a noir. It's not a murder type thing. Um, it's about Tony Curtis plays this like entertainment agent, kind of a low rung dude um, who's a bit of a schemer and a weasel and an asshole. And uh, Burt Lancaster is like a, a critic, like for Broadway or whatever, or just in, in, in the entertainment section of the newspaper who can like destroy lives with what he writes and it's kind of how they clash and uh and Burt Lancaster's sister Tony Curtis tries to get to her it's it's like super dark and not a very pretty picture of humanity um, written by Clifford Odets I was gonna say he's one of the he is one of the people named by Elliot Kazan yeah yeah um uh, oh, did I did I say what year? It's fifty-seven. Uh, yeah, I was like, I was blown away by this movie when I saw it. I was like, oh my god, I this is as dark as anything I've ever seen. Uh, but I great, see that. yeah, yeah. Sweet smell of success. Everybody, go out and buy it on iTunes or whatever you buy movies. Um, okay, what do you have for number two? Because we're getting up there. I'm interested. Our repeat, touch of evil. Ah, t- yes. 1958. Uh, yeah, it's great. I don't know. I, I 98. That's when they. It was. Oh, I think. Is there scenes in that movie that have like the oil derricks? Yes. Yes. So I saw this in Long Beach, California, and I it was the only theater it was playing at. For some reason, it was 98. They did a recut of it or whatever. They, they what happened was they found they used Orson Welles's memo, and they re-edited the movie based on exactly what he wanted. And I forget who it was. I think it was a cinematographer who was involved in it or somebody 
that worked on the movie and that came out in 98 and it played, it was for whatever reason that weekend it wasn't playing in Los Angeles, but it was playing in Long Beach and right behind the theater with the same oil derrick. So it was kind of surreal to come out and look at them. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a great movie. It's yeah, it's super. The, the, that, the glass the mirrors, that mirror scene in that. Yes. Yes. It's done over and over again, and it's kind of a cliched, but I don't think at the time it was a cliche. That's pretty much what you can, you always need to think about when you're talking about these, like these alter, like these classic directors from back then, or even classic directors now. They come like Owen, Wil- not Owen Wilson, Wes Anderson, or who else is like, like uh, has a unique vision that's directing movies now? Is there- um, what's his name? Who did uh, Magnolia? Yeah, Paul P. T. Anderson. Those guys come up with stuff, and then other guys kind of do the same thing afterwards and you think of it eventually as a cliche but when you go back to their first movie it feels like a cliche even though they did it first that's what you're talking about with the, with the orson wells is the the um the david leans those, those guys they you, like you watch that scene now it's like oh that's that's neat but i've seen that before but you didn't see that before when you saw this and that's right that's and about even like even having seen it before it's still great like the way it's yes. done oh it, no yeah 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 like these Orson Welles was like next level when you, especially when you watch this one. Like for me, this one even more so than Citizen Kane. I was like, God damn, this guy was doing shit so far beyond what anybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. And this is what 14, 20 years after Citizen Kane when, when yeah. this came out. Yeah. Well, Citizen Kane was what forty five, something um, like that, and this was fifty eight. Fifty eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. All right, my number two. Have, if you haven't seen this one, we sh- we should do this too. We should just do every single one we haven't seen. Citizen Kane is forty one. Sorry. Oh, 40, well, that early, Jesus. Yeah, that is really early. Um, Wages of Fear is my number two. Nope. Okay, so um, oh, hold on a second. Let me bring it up. It is one of the most uh, tense movies I've ever seen. This was fifty three. You mean it's like camping? Yeah, a lot of tents. Um, 53 French-Italian, although shot in uh, South America, I believe, um, by Henri-Georges Clouseau, I believe is how you make it, uh, you say it, starring Yves Montand. Uh, and it's about these um, these dudes who are like stuck in the middle of the jungle, basically nowhere, and they need money. So there's a job to transport, I believe, nitroglycerin on trucks through the jungle, something highly explosive in any case. Um, and just going through these like shitty crumbling dirt roads through the, it's just, it's just crazy how intense the thing is. And you know what these people, yeah, it is nitroglycerin and, um, what these people will do just to make a living, uh, risking lives and stuff. It's, it's really, really strong movie. And it was redone, Remade by, um, oh man, I can't even remember right now. Anyway, it was remade in the 70s uh, under a different title, and I am blanking on all that information, so let me it, see. It was remade twice, once once in the 50s, called Violent Road by Howard Koch. Oh, yeah, I guess he's a Koch brother. And then in 77, Sorcerer by William Friedkin. William Friedkin, the Sorcerer, is the one I was thinking of, yeah. Um, and... It's another one, like, we should talk to David about that. Maybe watch, Maybe we can do Wages of Fear versus a Sorcerer. Like, I don't see why you would need to remake this one, although I know that's not what David wants to do. But they're probably... Well, no, but I think this is the kind of movie that... I don't have a problem with, like, a different country remaking a, a movie and, like, putting it in their, their place. It's like the Tokyo... What was the... What oh, was yeah, the, yeah. Uh, like Tokyo, Tokyo Story. Story. I think that's interesting to see another culture's look that's at a true. similar story. Yeah. But it's really interesting that five years later they did it, the, the Violent Rota. Uh, and that was an American, I am, I yeah, assume. I, yeah, I think it's interesting that that it, it's not very famous. So maybe they didn't do a good job on that remake. But did, did you think Sorcerer was good or you don't remember? I, I didn't. I, I think I saw it like so long ago. I do, it definitely didn't stick with me like Wages mm-hmm. of Fear did. So yeah. Um, it would be, yeah, it'd be fun to watch those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you have for number one? Number one is my Hitchcock, Dial M for Murder. Dial M for Murder. And really, 
you can still do that if you press the M key on your phone. Right. This doesn't necessarily get you murder unless you're in London. Right. But right. Uh, we've talked about this before being the basis for Columbo. Ray Moland is so, so good as a scumbag. I mean, I think, I think it's kind of like Fred McMurray where he had, well, no, maybe it's the opposite with Fred McMurray. I don't, I don't, I don't know what Fred McMurray's career was like before he did that. That uh, the what's it? Didn't he do a film noir? Yeah, he the, did. Uh, it a, was a double double indemnity. Double indemnity. Yeah, I wanted to say DOA, but yeah, double but, indemnity. But Ray Milland kind of had more of a like. I guess it's not. It's the opposite of Fred, uh, Fred McMurray. He did that before he had the Happy Go Lucky uh, Father and My Three Sons. But Ray, Ray Milland, as far as I'm concerned, the movies I saw. They were all, he was like happy, like not, not a murderer. <laughs> yeah. He was goofus. Yeah. So it, it, and he did a really, he's really good in this movie. Grace Kelly's great. And uh, I think, I think John Williams is the one that plays the, the Columbo, the, the detective. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. Yes. And I didn't know this until right this second. It was filmed in 3D, and I did not see it in 3D. But when I think about it, I guess I did know that because I did see it in the theater, and it wasn't a 3D theater. But you re- definitely, there are scenes that that where like they put the t- telephone to you when you when you yeah. about to make a phone call. <laughs> so it, it was a really not a great use of 3D. I was going to say kind of a weird movie to pick yeah. for 3D, but I guess it was probably the fad that was yeah. going on at the time. But you'd think that Hitchcock wouldn't be a party to that fad, but well, yeah. there's always studio interference. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Dial yeah, it. it's 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 like I talked about before, so let's go through the other Hitchcock movies that oh, yeah. didn't make either of our cuts. Rear in. Window. Rear Window. Oh yeah. Vertigo. Mm-hmm. North by, by Northwest. Mhm. Um Okay, now I'm starting to blank. No, keep going. What else so, we got? So, uh, there's the one... Uh, the one for I Murder Strangers on a Train, obviously. Right, and there's I Confess, which I, confess. I talked about before. And there's The Wrong Man, which I don't know anything about. Apparently, it was a docudrama oh. with uh, Henry Fonda, and I don't know anything about that. But the other one is the remake of uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much, which I think the remake is as good as the original, and it's so weird that he remade his own movie. I've got the original. Does the remake have Peter Lorre as well? I don't know. Oh, okay, I don't know either. Okay. But, uh, so, I don't know when the remake is from. The, oh, 34. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so, it's, it's they both have Jimmy Stewart, right? Or no? I, oh, oh, I see. No, okay. So, the original is Peter Lorre. Yeah. And I don't think the remake has Peter Lorre, because he's probably dead by then. Yeah, maybe, maybe. not. But anyway, it's, it's, I, I was sure that it was a remake of a of a movie that Jimmy Stewart was actually in. But yeah, the man who knew too much, fifty six. So, the wrong man is is a weird one. It's it's a docudrama starring Henry Fonda, and it was drawn from the true story of an innocent innocent man charged with a crime. Yeah, weird. Huh. I never heard of that. I don't think. No, I don't. That might have been the one I saw, too. Uh, now I'm going to have to look. It has had a notable effect on two significant directors. It prompted John Luc Godard's longest piece of written criticism in his years as a critic and has been cited as an influence on Taxi Driver. Searchers has also been cited as an influence on Taxi Driver. So, Yeah. we. Oh, that's weird. No, it kind of makes sense, the, the rescue and everything. All right. Well, uh... Yeah, cool. We got anyway, hit, we your, got Hitchcock down, and the other director that you have to have on both lists, yep. we said uh, Akira Kurosawa, and I have a tie here. One of these, the second one is no doubt the other one you're thinking of. Um, right. So for my number one is Ikiru and Seven Samurai. Yes. Yeah, Seven Samurai was my other choice, and that's yeah. no matter what edit you watch. I think there's like a there's like a two hour edit and there's the four hour edit. No matter what edit you watch, it's good. It's great. Don't, but you know what? Don't watch the two hour edit. Why? Fuck it. There's an intermission yeah. on the four hour. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a samurai movie, but it's, I mean, it's the samurai movie of all samurai movies, really. I, uh, I feel like maybe when we were kids, when someone said samurai movie, it had a meaning, but I don't think it has any meaning now. No, I, I think you're probably right. Um, and I mean, this was also. This also influenced a lot of westerns. Uh, the Magnificent oh, yeah. Seven was obviously yeah. a direct—I don't mm-hmm. want to say ripoff, but a remake of it. Um, and uh, oh, it says there was an anime series, Samurai Seven, which is a science fiction version. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, director, uh, the great director Zack Snyder revealed the film to be an influence on the upcoming Justice League film. 
And some film critics have noted similarities between Pixar's A Bug Life, A Bug's Life, and Seven Samurai. So, well, that's that's not a stretch either. I haven't seen that, so that's interesting. Uh, 1954 for that one, and then Ikiru, uh, 1952, just two years apart. Completely different film. Uh, Ikiru means to live in Japanese. Um, it's about an old man in uh, in Japan who's who's a bureaucrat. He's just and he never actually gets anything done um, and there's the there are these women from this village um, who uh, are worried about they they want a park I believe um, uh, they want a, there's a cesspool in there and they want it to be cleared out and replaced by a playground uh, and he, you know he just shuffles papers and tells them oh, we'll see about it and you know nothing ever gets done and then he finds out he's got terminal cancer um, and he's going to die soon and his perspective changes and then he makes it his life's mission for the rest of his short life to get this playground built and it's just like super sweet and super sad and better than Seven Samurai if you can compare them which you really can't Um, my favorite Kurosawa film ever I don't also I've seen that one about three hours but worth it yeah um, and it goes, it, it messes, like it flashes forward in time and back. Like, it's it's really, really good. Um, anyway, cool. Well, we have a bunch of, like, movies we need to watch from different decades. Yeah. This is fun. I'm yeah. kind of excited about yeah. it. I'm excited about doing the 40s one. Yeah, me too, especially since, uh, well, now I've let it out of the bag. Out of the Past will be on my list. Well, we all, and we all know one of us will have Citizen Keynes. So that's two that are. Yeah. Oh, obvious. definitely. I think there are probably quite a few obvious ones from the 40s, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, we might have to stop there because I don't even know if I've seen 10 movies from the 30s. But I bet, I bet you have. I probably have, but it would pro- we'd probably have the exact same list. Well, we could still try it. Instead of 30s, we can just do pre-40s. Pre-40s, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, all right. Well, cool. Yeah, this was fun. Um, yeah. Recommendations, Asians, You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything brand new, but I've been thinking about, before the podcast started, you and I talked about the new Courtney Barnett, Kurt Vall album coming out. So I want to recommend people go listen to Sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit. Courtney Barnett's, I, I don't know if it's her first, but the first one I know about. So great. So many great songs. A lot of fun. Listen. Yeah, that's a great album. As is everything she's done. Yep. Yeah. Um, I will recommend uh, a couple comics, uh, both from publishers I don't usually get. Well, they're not Image. That's all. I mean, Boom Studios. Yeah. One of them is, well, Boom Box. Is that the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hi-Fi Fight Club. Have you no, checked that out? No. Yeah. It's about um, these like teenage girls who work in a record store, but then they're also like not superheroes, but fighters oh uh, that's fun <laughs> and uh there's only there's only been two issues out of that so it's easy to catch up on and there's only been one issue of this other one which is from aftershock which i have never bought anything by them. i've never heard of them yeah but it is called fujitsu and it's about this uh teenage like i don't martial arts dude who's actually um eternal he's been around for like hundreds of years and it's like really inventive and just fun uh so those are my recommendations. Have I, I've, in the past, have I recommended either on the podcast or to you personally the comic about um, roller derby? Oh, Slam? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually just okay. uh, just the other day bought the first trade based on your rec- – because when you recommended it, I think there were a bunch of issues out. So I was like, I'll just wait for the trades and I'll read them that way. So, yeah, I just got the first trade. Haven't haven't read it yet. But, yes, you did recommend it. Cool. That's great. Um, and then I'm just looking at – what the writer for Hi-Fi Fight Club to see if she's done anything else that I know of. I guess she's done a lot of TV and movies, so. Oh, that's interesting. Anyway, that sounds great. Do you, so you read those paper or do you read those digitally? Paper. Like, pre-fi, okay. I try to do paper whenever I can. Sometimes, like my comic book store, um, they won't have like a particular older issue if I'm like getting into it a little late. So I'll like buy one paper and then buy one digital and then try to buy, I try to buy paper cause I like them. I like having them right. that way. Yeah, but I agree. I mean, and then I'm, I'm also dumb because like, especially with like paper girls and stuff and 
and uh, Black Hammer and things like that. I will buy all the individual issues, and then I will also buy the trades of them. <laughs> I do that with Saga. Well, I don't buy the trades. I buy the – and I do this because they're so cool. The, the I, So I get the individual issues of Saga, and then like every – Couple years, he's been collecting them in this like the big giant bus, yeah, volume, on the bus, yeah. like hardback with lots of the cool art and like little stories from him. That's I just the only thing I don't like about doing that is the I don't know if it's the company that does it or if this is just the nature of these big books. The binding doesn't seem that good. I just wish the binding was better, but otherwise it's great. Oh yeah, well that kind of sucks. Like when you're paying that kind of money for that. I know books. it's it's not awful. It's just I, it's not perfect, and I like things to be perfect. Yeah. If they're not, I just throw them in the trash and give up and go to sleep. Yes. So uh, the great thing about Saga, and I guess Paper Girls does this too, is the letters. And that's what makes me want to get both of those. I like single issues anyway, but he does great letters columns. Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's right. too bad. So they, at the beginning of, I guess, two years ago, and I'd like to hear the story behind this. He had something planned with, uh, what's the dude's name that did? Uh, the, the Darwin Cook. Uh, he had a collection. He had a story that the Darwin Cook was going to do the art, and Branky Vaughn was doing the story, and it never came out. And I was so disappointed. And then a couple of months after it didn't come out, or you know that year, it turned out that Darwin Cook was dying, and he he died. So I guess we'll never get to see that awesomeness. And Darwin Cook was a pretty great artist. Oh damn! R.I.P. Rest in power. Recommendation? No, we already did that. Uh, wait. Write to us yeah. at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, or if you'd just like to say hi. Rate us highly on iTunes and give us a great review. And like us on Facebook. But most importantly, tell your friends and family to listen constantly. Yeah. Yeah, write to us, dummies. What's going on? I mean, probably the fact that most of our listeners are our friends on Facebook explains why they don't write to us. But you know what? But there could be a new person out there. Yeah. there. I've seen some people like our page who I don't know. So... Come on, come on, flyover state people. We'll we'll write you back. We might even send you a gift. That's not true. We won't. Might be true, but no one's giving us our their address, so we never had a chance. That's true. Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, people think flyover state is derogatory. I I think it's kind of cute. Yeah. Like if I lived in what's the middle Kansas, and I looked up and I was like, oh, they're flying over me. Nice. Yeah, and I mean. It would be probably the the most exciting thing that would happen to you if you did live in Kansas. So. When I say live in Kansas, I meant if I was a flea who lived in the band Kansas's hair. Oh, of course. I, which is where we get the majority of our fleas in this country. Thanks, Kansas. It's a it's a acade- academic. It's an academic. What? Until next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>